million pages. And Lindsay with the adventures of a bibliophile. And together, we're pages of a bibliophile. Welcome to episode 6 of Pages of a Bibliophile, where we will be covering Dear Martin by Nick Stone. This week we don't really have any burning announcements. Nope. Um, the only thing that is coming up in our world is the Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson on September 4th, which is in just a couple of weeks. So make sure you've checked out the giveaway that we are featuring on our Instagram. Yes. Um... Oh, you know what we didn't do? We didn't talk. <laughs> no, no, let's say that. Let's, 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 no. Okay. Also, go check out our Patreon page where we have two bonus episodes of Pages of a Bibliophile. One is over the other Einstein. It is about the first wife of Albert Einstein and her contributions to his quantum physics theory. Is that? I'm not a science person, guys. But I, my local library is doing this as a book club read. Kelly's joining in on me with it. We're excited about it. And then we have a group outside of Pages of a Bibliophile that actually meets in the North Texas area if you are interested. And we cover different classics. It's called Get Lit with the Classics. And we meet at various coffee shops. So come join us if you can. Yes, our latest book. And if you have any questions, feel free to share them with us on our hashtag, Pages of a Bibliophile. Also, we're getting better at that tweet thing. Yes, we are. Um, not only on Twitter, Kelly, but they can also reach us on Facebook. We would love to build a really strong community there with you guys. Instagram, both of those are at Pages of a Bibliophile. Go check our Patreon for bonus content like we talked about. And our Twitter, just to remind you guys one more time, is PGS of a Biblio. So Pages of a Biblio. So let's get started on this week's book. Except I said so. Let's get started now on this week's book. <laughs> this pen. This stupid pen. Let's get started I'm on... I'm taking it from you. She took my pen. And now I'm doing it. Yeah. Let's get started on this week's book. This week we read Dear Martin by Nick Stone. It was a... I enjoyed it a lot more than Kelly. I'll just say that. I really just didn't. I don't know why she didn't enjoy it. I mean, I wish I did, and I wanted to so badly, but I didn't. I'm sorry. To everyone who loves it, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not, but I am. I really enjoyed it because, I don't know if it was from a male perspective, when oftentimes we see these emotional books being told from a female perspective, but I just really enjoyed it because of the aspect of the letters and how he wrote these letters to Martin Luther King Jr., and what a cool concept. I will agree with you there. So, Justin... Justin that's not his name. <laughs> I will agree with you there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Damn it, Marie. <laughs> you started this. Go ahead. I will agree with you there. Justice goes to a prep school. Um, he gets in an incident where he's trying to help his ex-girlfriend. The police put him in handcuffs. It's all a bunch of, like, assumption versus reality, which we... What the fuck? I give up. <laughs> no. Assumptions versus reality. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. I can't. Why? Did that make you mad? No. Oh. I just... What am I... I don't know what I'm saying. I'm already on seven minutes. 
Kelly really didn't enjoy this book, but I did. I'm not trying to speak for Kelly. I really enjoyed the letter writing aspect of it. I also enjoyed the emotional perspective from a male point of view versus a female point of view. I read this also after The Hate You Give, whereas she read it before The Hate You Give. So maybe that has something to do with it? I do think so, because now that I've read The Hate You Give, I have a totally different perspective. And I feel like I... They're so similar, which we will get into um, with this month's episodes because we are covering both of them. But I feel like you need to read one before the other. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. If you just read Dear Martin, a lot of questions pop up into your mind questioning social norms and going to our topic already for this month it's assumptions versus reality and how quick we are as a society to make assumptions when we really don't stop to evaluate the reality of the situation so I think by reading the hate you give first it really gave me a different perspective a different perspective and a different lens to look through when reading dear martin and to me I felt disassociated with it I felt like it didn't give an accurate representation of the majority. I can see that. That's fair. I can see that. Whereas The Hate You Give, I felt really applied more overall, I guess. I feel like Kelly and I may be also a little tiptoeing over something that we talked about during research, and I'm just going to say it, and we're not trying to offend. I want to just say that. We're not trying to offend. We're not trying to sound ignorant. But something that did come up while we were talking about, and we honestly believe in keeping it real with you guys on this podcast um is the issue of minorities in education and the assumptions versus the reality and one thing that and do you mind if I speak for you absolutely not Kelly just wanted to know why do they all go to prep schools like why can't they go to a normal like just a regular public school and we were talking about it and we had a really great conversation and with my wife before she went to work and These are situated in more northern cities, like Chicago, New York, like where in areas where it's more common for prep schools to be a thing. Whereas down here in the south where we're from, I don't know prep schools. Like we have like maybe two. No, there's country day. They're all private Christian schools. Yeah. A prep school is kind of not a thing in the south. Not at all. Like we're big into public education down here. Right. Big. And so, so, I mean, we have obviously are all going to have different scenarios, but I felt like all of the books I'm reading lately in young adult focus solely on prep school. There are no public education books coming out. And why? Why aren't we talking about public education? And maybe it's because people don't want to touch that hot topic issue of what's going on for real. Right. So they dance around it because there are plenty of public schools that are pretty much prep schools that hold you to that right. standard. I can think of three districts off the top of my head within a 30-mile radius of of us that are very much to the same elitist attitude, the elite just attitude. And college prep. I mean, that's essentially what it is. You're getting ready for college in a way that you'll be a... What's the right way to say that? You're getting ready for college... Where you're not overwhelmed by the coursework, you're not overwhelmed by the level of thinking that is expected of you. But I think a lot of high schools and middle schools, like our middle school is an avid, is an avid school, it's an avid campus, and 
Which basically means they're already prepping them for college. They're right. getting those organization skills. They're setting that expectation of study time, um, how to take notes, how to do the basic things that you're going to need to be successful. And I feel like it's a disadvantage that all of these books keep coming out without showing the public education system. Now, I get it from now that we've had that conversation. It definitely is kind of a Southern thing, for sure. But I guess that swayed my opinion. No, and I totally got where she was coming from. At first, when she said that, I was like, what do you mean? And then I was like, okay. And then again, I had a lot more understanding afterwards. And then it also goes back to the poverty cycle and how... There aren't really, and I know for sure, again, going back to that, just as I can name three or four districts off the top of my head that have prep school, you know, quality public schools here in our area, there are also just as many, if not more, schools that are being sanctioned by the Texas Education Agency for their lack of quality of education, college preparedness, basic passing rates. Um, So... I feel like with everything that there's bad in everything and I feel like when you there are some really great great schools in lower income inner city neighborhoods but then there are the bad schools and so going back to the whole poverty cycle thing it unfortunately it's a reality and I was very fortunate to read Ruby Payne's view on poverty when I was going through student teaching and it completely molded my outlook on things and there's different levels of poverty and there's different types of poverty and I'm just so grateful to my principal my student teaching principal for recommending that book but you know if you're not bringing in money you're not producing money you know it's we're not going to get too much into it but definitely look up the poverty cycle because it, it is it's a vicious cycle and it's really depressing if you think about it honestly it's discouraging Well, and that brought up the point because in this book, Justice goes through situations that are very difficult. He goes to prep school. He likes his debate partner. I mean, he's like any other teenage boy. Mm -hmm. But he is put in these situations where he's riding with his friend. His friend provokes another driver by raising the music that he asked him to turn down. And then in return, that man shoots him right in front of Justice. And he dies. And that's awful. I mean, tragedy in general, I wish that no child ever had to see someone, you know. And that is brought up in both of these books. I mean, being faced with losing a best friend over something so minuscule and so ridiculous. And what happens is it turns out that this man is... An off-duty police officer. Which is a hot-button issue right now in young adult, as well as the nation in general. I mean, police brutality is heavy on the hit list right now. Yes, and, you know, going back to what I said earlier was that there are good and bad in everything. There are, and just like there, and we were talking about this, and Kelly is a near and dear issue. I feel like I'm speaking for her today, and I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be, you know, like... No, you're doing good. But, um... So Kelly, you know, obviously from, you know, dates a police officer. And that's why I feel so passionate about this topic, because I wish there was more narrative to the side that I see, because there is good and bad in everybody. There are absolutely police officers that should not be police officers, hands down. But there are teachers that shouldn't be teachers as well. Exactly. There are nurses that shouldn't be nurses. There are, 
doctors that shouldn't be doctors. There are coaches that shouldn't be coaches. I mean, I can think of like the nurse Mary who kill who killed all those people by injecting air into their lines. You can think of the horrible gymnastics U.S. Olympics oh team goodness, coach yes, that violated those those gymnasts. I mean, the teachers that you see on a routine basis. And it's sad that are having inappropriate relationships with students. So it's not just, I agree with Kelly. I feel like we focus on this narrative of police brutality. narrative. Yeah. And that's where I get frustrated because you have to think about it from my perspective. I go home to a sweet man who only cares about helping everyone and that's that's why he went into it. All he wants is to make people's lives better. And then I get the other side where people hate him without even having met him you know they hate what he stands for they hate his uniform they hate his badge right. they hate and it's you hate the thing before you know the person and i feel like that's the problem with society and that's not just police brutality we are so quick to judge something based on the perspective of media of politics of you know, we just, and I know I'm going on a rant here, no, so I'll I, wrap it up. But. No, I love it, what Kelly's saying right now. And Clementine Wamaria, we talked to her um, recently, and you will hear our interview with her in December. But we had a really great conversation about categorizing different people and allowing your perspective of somebody's narrative or allowing your narrative of that person based on the category that you put them in. And it was a really great conversation we had. And when you were talking about that, Kelly, I thought about that. I was like, yeah. You see these things that the media ploys you with, you know, or applies you with, excuse me, with, oh, you know, police brutality. They killed this person. And again, it does happen. Yeah, because everyone is able to abuse power. It's whether you choose to or not. Right. And that choice is what's so important. And it's just like Manny, Justice's friend, had a choice to just be the bigger person and not turn up his music in this novel. And he chose not to. And I am a big believer that whether it's your own actions or somebody else's, your choices, the consequences of those choices define who you are. Right. And you just have to live with it. You have to live with people's choices. You have to live with your own choices. You have to let them sit with you. And I am not biased because I do not date this man. He is a very nice man. <laughs> Thank you. He is a nice man. We, I do feel like justice is almost in that categorization phase too. Like he's trying to figure out what category he's supposed to fit in. Does he fit in at his prep school? Does he fit in where, you know, where is he supposed to be? Who is he supposed to be responsible to? Who, you know what I'm saying? Yes. He comes from a single parent household. His mom is very big on him not dating white women. His school is pretty much full of white women. Right. I don't even think, the one, uh, the one girl he, the one girl he dates that has different skin color other than white is a girl that he ends up getting detained by an officer for because she was driving drunk and he tried to be the bigger person and take her home and all the officer saw was what he wanted to see again going by that narrative and that categorization assumptions and realities assumptions versus reality our topic is he assumed he saw a black teenager with a woman in a disabled vehicle they were wrestling trying to take his way you know that he saw what he assumed whatever right. has been fed to him and he saw it as a negative versus trying to just stopping and seeing the reality of the situation and this is like a defining moment for justice. This is kind of where it all starts. When he gets those handcuffs put on him, it's it's life-changing, as it would be for most people. 
I mean, no one wants to be in handcuffs. And so he takes that perspective of, well, what would Martin Luther King Jr. do? And so he's writing these letters trying to figure out where he fits in, what he's supposed to do with his life, how does he make it better, essentially. And so I think that there's also dialogue that goes on between him and other students in the school that's really eye-opening. I do feel like a lot of that dialogue was accurate about what is said in classrooms. Absolutely. And what I loved is that, you know, the hate you give, I feel like danced a little bit around the racism, whereas Dear Martin hit it head on. Oh, yes. I mean, there were allusions to um, the Ku Ku Klux Klan. I mean, it was very head on perspective of a white student having a black student in their world and not being okay with it at points. And I think that, I don't know what I'm trying to say something. That being said, what, what Lindsay, my name is Lindsay. Lindsay. I am the Raja. (laughs) Lindsay makes a good point there because I feel like this book appeals more to the high school type age because of that. Absolutely. I don't think anybody in middle school should read this book. Maybe 8th grade. Yeah, maybe 8th grade. I Even then, there were certain things that I think would be above their head. They just haven't learned it yet. Not because they're ignorant or... Right. They just literally have not learned that yet. I could see an honors class reading it, for sure. But, mm, I don't know. I would definitely... It would definitely be a conversation starter because, like Kelly said, they haven't learned it yet. And not... And if they have learned it yet, it hasn't been in a positive narrative. It's been in a in a way that has been fed to them through different experiences. And those experiences shape your narrative, does, if that makes sense. Yes. So thinking on that, we're kind of going to leave you on this episode before we go into Hate You Give. And just thinking about assumptions versus reality in your own life. What assumptions are you making versus what is actually going on? Just take a look. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And remember, they're not all bad. No, they're not all bad. And I think that justice has come to that conclusion at the end. Yes. And I think it was a very cathartic experience using these letters as a writing tool. Spoiler alert, we will be developing that curriculum, a whole curriculum activity for you to go along with this. Kelly and I have it in the works. We are working on it. We promise there are only so many time, so many hours in a day, people. Right. But we, we got to keep the podcast coming. We got to go. We got to keep this coming. So, um, but yes, so I, I just want to touch one more time that it is very much assumptions versus reality in this book. Absolutely. And I just think how much of a great tool it would be as a teaching tool, but for eighth grade and up, because it shows the inner dialogue. It shows character motivation. It shows, you know, uh, conflict. It shows external and internal conflict. It shows conflict with society. I mean, there's so much here in multiple layers that would be wonderful for teaching. And I definitely think like sophomore level for sure. And I think it sets a good example of finding that outlet that works for you to sort through your feelings about hot topic issues. Yes. Any social emotional needs that your students need, like this would, absolutely, this book is for sure a social emotional book. Like it can be definitely used as a social emotional learning tool. 
you want to do that? You want to... Did I write some down? Yeah, you're going to be reading, um, The Hate You Hear. You said you were reading The Hate You Hear. No, recommendations, so. Oh. I think they're on your phone. I hope I wasn't too preachy. No, nope. I have to cut some of that out. Nope. Uh, who did it say? I'm just going to save this. Alright, for recommendations, it's going to be a little, di- a little bit different than in the... Alright guys, for recommendations this week, it's going to be a little bit different than we have been doing previously. So, unfortunately, there's not... I mean, there is and there isn't. And one great thing about NTTBF this past year or so, well, this past spring, so North Texas Teen Book Festival, it was all about diversity and celebrating diversity. And we talked about diversity in literature. And... Yeah, there are some great books about, you know, like Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. Like, there are books that represent diversity, but as far as hitting these more contemporary issues head on, there aren't too many. So, Kelly and I kind of agreed on one for sure that hit on it that definitely reminded us of Dear Martin, and that is the phenomenal book, A Long Way Down. I say phenomenal a lot. Let me use a different adjective. Um... It would be the, what would be a word to describe? The impactful. A Long Way Down is legit. Let's just put it like that because I can't think of a better word. All my students love it. We had to order extra copies. Yes. I They, they saw me reading it. They saw Kelly reading it. They saw Coach Payne reading it. Hey, you just got a shout out, Payne. Payne. Hey, friend. Um, they saw all of us reading it, and our librarian had to order more. I mean, it was legit. So, like Kelly said, I mean, this book, they could not uh, – they were devouring it. Go buy it. And if you are a classroom teacher, go buy it. It does have language. Sorry about that, but it's – Real life. It's their, vernac- it it's their vernacular. But here's the cool thing. It's written in prose. It's not – so you can fly through this book so fast, and there are so many – And then they're like, oh – Look, I already finished a book. Yeah, so it promotes engagement too. So, and stamina, reading stamina. So anyway, so definitely A Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. I also think Ghost with Identity and Independence could also be... Anything by Jason Reynolds I think would be a good, solid recommendation or pairing to go with Dear Martin. He's a genius. Yeah, Jason Reynolds is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we get we go to BookCon next year, and if we do, hopefully he's there. Hopefully he's at NTTBF 19. We'll see. Anyway, guys, that will do it for this week's episode. We will see you next time. And no. Anyway, guys, that will do it for this week's episode. Next episode, we will be talking about. What are we going to talk about? Wait, we already did the hate you give. It's money's not coming, right? Anyway, guys, that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us. Next episode, we will be covering our quarterly book club pick which is Monday's Not Coming by Tiffany D. Jackson. Remember, we will be having a giveaway for this book, and it is going to be coming out September 4th. We look forward to interacting with you about it. If you have any questions, let us know by using our hashtag Pages of a Bibliophile, looking us up on Instagram or Facebook, or tweeting us at PGS of a Biblio, Pages of a Biblio on Twitter. Thanks so much. Bye, guys. definitely use as a social emotional learning tool.